Well, this morning, I want to ask us this. It's the new year. Are we going to focus on resolutions or preparations? Um, I I know a lot of times we talk about making resolutions, you know, uh, starting fresh, uh, new things. We have our, our checklist. You know, I need to, I'm going to really try and do this this year. Um, and, and even if we don't do that maybe concretely or, 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 or technically consciously, um, I think even subconsciously, uh, we, we have in our heart this, this idea that we always want to get better. We want to do things differently. Um, we, we want to have a fresh start. Um, but resolutions, uh, how many know they, many times they, they leave us disappointed um, and they never quite uh, fulfill what we think they are going to do. And, um, uh, and I'm not saying that they're bad because there are times that, that we do, um, uh, you know, need to have a plan. God is not against plans. Um, sometimes people say, no, we just need to move by the Spirit. Like that means to, to never have a plan, but just kind of whatever God happens. That's not how God works. God does use our mind. He's given us an organizational mind that is amazing, that we are able to plan things and think ahead and do that. So that is a good thing. God has a plan. God has, has, has used his uh, intelligence uh, to think ahead and do that. And so he, we are made in his image and we are meant to do that. But today I want to look at not just making resolutions, but we need to understand that more importantly, we need to make preparations. That our resolutions should be subject to our preparations. That our resolutions are a part of uh, beginning to prepare our hearts. That in preparing ourselves, um, uh, the resolutions have a place. Um, I want to look at a story that Jesus told, which I think uh, speaks to us right now where we're at, and that is in Matthew. Matthew chapter 25. They were about to start a new journey. Um, this was towards the end of his life. He was about to transition uh, to the cross um, uh, and then to be resurrected. And, and then the church was to enter into this new time. And so uh, as they came close, he began to prepare his followers for this new journey. And this is one of the important uh, uh, lessons that he told them that was going to be important as they embarked, uh, even though they didn't realize what they were about to start um, uh, on this journey. In Matthew chapter 25, in verse 1, he says this, The kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. And as the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a cry, here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all of those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps 
And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps have gone out or are going out. But the wise answered, since there will not be enough for us and for you, you go rather to the dealers and buy for yourself. And while they were going to buy it, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open up to us. But he answered and said, truly, I say to you, I do not know you. Jesus said, watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. And so today we stand at the beginning of a new moment in our life, in all of our lives. And it's not just because of the new year, but it is because it is another day. And every day we stand on the precipice of something new. Um, And Jesus wants to remind us that here's the key thing. You never know when you need to be ready. Because God is going to do several things. First of all, it might be that day that the trumpet blows and Jesus himself, the bridegroom, comes to take his church. The question is, will you be ready? Or it might be the day that what you did not know was happening inside your body was going to come to a culmination. And in a blink of an eye, you take your last breath. And that's it. And you stand before God. And the question is, are you ready? Or it could be that it's the moment that God has planned for you to be that key person uh, to touch someone else's life, that they are on the precipice of a fork in the road, that they are going to go one direction or another direction, and you are the person that God has placed there to make a difference. And the question is, are you ready? Maybe you are standing at the fork of a road that you don't even realize that the next choice you make is going to knock you into an unrecoverable direction of your life that you will never turn back from. And you don't even realize that that choice is the key thing. And the question is, are you ready? And so we need to come to the point that we stop worrying about getting better And that's a good thing. I'm not saying it's bad to not become better people. But God is not looking to make better people. Jesus came to make people that are ready. Whether you are at the low end of what people call good, whether we are uh, the most talented, whether we are accomplishing the most, Jesus just cares about one thing are you ready for me do you know me is your heart prepared are you ready you see you could be a thief accused and convicted of crimes in the midst of your execution on a cross and you see he wasn't deserving 
But when he looked over to Jesus, he said, Jesus, make room for me. And Jesus said, you're ready. While the other thief never made a commitment to God. So it's not about being better. It's not about making a resolution to do something more. In the midst of that, it's about preparing that am I ready? And then once I'm prepared, then yes, we can do things to become better and we can grow in our life. We are expected to do that. But it does not help to grow and to accomplish and to to learn if we're not ready first. So preparation takes priority over resolutions. It doesn't delete it. It just has to come first. And so today I'm asking, are we going to prepare ourselves more than accomplish things? Many times as, as Christians, we are more focused on accomplishing things or doing things or achieving things than preparing ourselves. So I want to look at today, th- this uh, uh, morning at how can we get prepared? How do we prepare ourselves um, uh, for what God has for us? And I want to say one thing before we go through these things because we're going to look at, as you can see, four things that, that we can see that are going to prepare. These four things prepare us. But I want to say this. These are not four things that we do because otherwise they can become resolutions. We can turn these four things into resolutions that I'm going to, okay, I'm going to do that more. And I'm going to do that more. I'm going to do that more. Okay, I'm going to do that. Okay, so now I've set my, these things are not things we do. These are things that we allow to do to us. These are things that God does within us. So I'm going to tell you before we we do this, the only way that we prepare ourselves is by surrendering ourselves and desiring God. So here's how we get ready. You desire God. That's it. Understand this. At the end of this message, I want you to understand that the way, the only way to be ready is to have Christ in our heart, to love him and to seek him, to acknowledge that I am broken, that I need him, that I cannot do it myself. I am not saying to prepare ourselves by if I do these four things, then I'm prepared. Okay, I'm ready, Jesus. You know what? Then you're just like those foolish versions that they all had a lamp. But they didn't have the oil within it. You see, it's what's within us that makes a difference. It's not having a lamp. It's not being there at the right time that makes us ready. It's by simply surrendering and saying, God, I want more of you. I want Jesus. That is What makes the difference? And as we desire Jesus, as we fill our life with the oil of his spirit, and the oil uh, that the foolish people did not have, it represented the presence of God in their life, um, uh, that it is as we desire the presence of God, then that oil will produce these four things. And, And these things, we can kind of, they're check marks because they're really more of a checklist of, is that happening in my life? And if this is not happening in my life, then I'm not going to be prepared because these four things are what the Holy Spirit uses to prepare us. But they only happen as the Holy Spirit is in us. And so as we look at our life, uh, 
if we are not doing these things, and I know there's a fine line of we have to do them, but it's God doing it in us. How can I tell, um, is it me doing it or is it God doing it? Here's the thing. If you desire God, then it's God doing it. So yes, you have to choose to do it, but it comes out of a desire for God. And I know that, that can, it can be very confusing at times, but that's why I, I want to boil it down to one, this, one thing. If you desire God, if you put your trust in Jesus, we call that faith, then as you do these things, it is the Spirit that will do it through you. And, but we need to look, if we are not doing these things on the same thing, then the Spirit is not in you. I'm just going to say that because the Spirit will always develop these four things. Um, uh, if you, so if these four things are not in our life, the question is then we need to say, I need more of the Spirit. I need to humble myself. I need to come. God, give me uh, more of who you are so that this will become who I am. In other words, it's like an apple does not say, okay, I'm going to go put on a red coat and I become a red apple. It is only as it attaches to the tree and allows the sap to begin to grow within him, it becomes a piece of fruit that has that red texture that comes naturally. But there is no apple that is not red or green or a variation of those two. You don't have an apple that is purple or orange. Otherwise, it's an orange, right? So you can look at myself and say, man, I'm kind of, I'm kind of a, a orange fuzzy. Then maybe you're a peach. You're not an apple. Uh, you don't just go off and cover that up. Okay, I'm going to become an apple. You cannot become. You begin to be by connecting to the one who makes that you one. Okay, so hopefully this is explaining a little bit. Uh, so we need to do these things, but we need to allow God by his spirit to do it within us, and that comes from desiring him. So that's the one thing that prepares us. If we need oil in our lamp, we need to desire more of God. Um, and we'll, we'll finish uh, looking at that more so. So what's the first thing that God wants to bring into our life to prepare us? Um, uh, the first thing that he has given us um, that the Holy Spirit wants to uh, bring you into that does prepare you, that prepares you for those moments. It prepares you for that time that is coming. It prepares you for the things that you are going to encounter in your life. Remember, he's preparing us for many different things, but are you ready? Uh, the first thing um, that he will do, that we need to do, is to engage in the body. God never prepares us alone. That's just a principle. God never prepares us alone. Um, we are prepared. The plan of God is the body of Christ. There's no other plan. Because you see, God himself is one. It is not Jesus over here by himself and God the Father over here and the Holy Spirit. The very nature of God is bringing everyone together. The very nature of God is unity. It is love. We say that God is love and love does not desire to be separate. The very nature of love is I have to have an object to love. Um, and if I have an object to love, it's not, oh, I'm going to love you, but stay away from me. Let me love you from afar. I know sometimes we feel that way. We would like to, I love you, but let's just have, keep this from a distance. 
right? Um, but that is not true love. Uh, we say that as Christians. You see many people, um, uh, many pastors and many other professions say, I would love to be that. I would love to be a teacher if it wasn't having to deal with students, right? I'd love to be a pastor if I didn't have to deal with people. I'd love to do this if I didn't, you know, we, ha- we like the idea, but we don't like it. Well, then you don't really like the idea. Love who God is, is about connecting to one another. That is the very nature of what God is preparing. And so God uses community to prepare us. The church is absolutely a requirement. It is not a, well, I can be a Christian and I can give or take the church. No. Then you're not understanding what a Christian is. If, if you understand the love of God, what he is preparing us for, it is for the body, it is for family, it is for communion. And so, if that's what he's preparing us for, he's going to use that to help prepare us. And if we are not in that communion, if we are not engaged in the body, then we are not going to be prepared like we should be. And so, I'm going to tell us, we need to step back and say, how engaged am I in the body? If I'm only engaged on a certain level, then you're only prepared on a certain level. And I'm sorry, this is, this is the word of God. Um, this is his plan that we see throughout the Bible uh, because this is what's gonna prepare. So you wanna get ready? Then we need to engage in the body. I wanna be ready. I want more of God. I desire to be with God. Then I am gonna desire to be with God's people. And I'm going to desire to be involved, not just to show up and say hi and, and, and then leave. That's not being engaged to be involved, to be there as much as I can. That is what prepares us. The word of God says this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We see the importance of being engaged. It's not just a good activity. It's not just something that, that oh, is good. It actually prepares us. It actually uh, uh, keeps us from being left out. It says, for God has not destined us for wrath. Aren't you glad for that? He does not not desire to send us to hell. Uh, But we are destined to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Now we know that that's the gospel, that God wants us to be saved. He desires to separate us and to keep us from that. But look what it says. Therefore, so if that's what God's purpose is, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. So if that's what you want to do, the salvation, I want to, be, I want to obtain salvation, I don't want to experience his wrath, then therefore you need to engage with others. Then you need to start encouraging others. You need to start being built up with others. We build each other up, we encourage one another, we come together, and therefore we obtain salvation. So it is an important part. Are we engaged? It also says in Ecclesiastes, says two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? 
And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. You see, there is strength in togetherness. There is power in community. And you might say, well, I have my family. But you see, that's only one. See, a family is only one. You might say, no, there's six of us, and we encourage one another, but it's one unit. Jesus said, I will make them one flesh. Um, uh, it is good to have a family. We need to encourage one another in our family, but we as a family need to engage in the body because that is where we are encouraged and find our place of, of purpose and meaning and strength. It goes on in Hebrews, of course, it says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. So let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. You see, he's saying, if we need to get ready, when we see the day coming, we know that we are in the last times. The day is drawing near. Then we need to engage the body more than ever. I need the church. I need you. When you're not here, I miss out. I can't grow. We need each other. We need to build the church. We need to come more often. We need to give ourselves more to one another um, instead of finding excuses um, not to be a part of the body. So we get prepared by engaging in the body. The second thing that we need to do is we need to prepare by putting off the snares. Um, what are snares? Snares are things that, that trap us, right? A snare is what you put out to, to trap an animal, to catch someone. Uh, well, you know what? We are wanting to be prepared for God to move forward to what God has, and yet this world has a lot of traps. There are a lot of things that ensnare us, that hold us, that trap us. And so if we are to prepare ourselves, if we're to be ready to be used by God, if we're prepared to go to be with God, if we are prepared uh, to, to meet him, we need to stop playing around in the traps of this world. There are things that we need to put off um, uh, we do need to begin to discipline ourselves. Um, we do need uh, to begin to understand that there are certain things that I can't do anymore because I can't be prepared. Um, uh, as I've prepared for, for things, we've all prepared for different things, whether it's a test, uh, whether it's uh, a game, whether it's a concert, uh, whether it's a whatever it is, you know that there's some things that I can't do or I'm not gonna be prepared. I can do them, but I'm not going to do what I want to do. If I'm preparing myself for a race, um, you know what? There's some things I can't do. I, I can't keep eating, oh, what I want to, donuts every day, every night. Um, I can, but when that race comes, I'm going to tell you there's going to be pain. There's going to be sorrow. I'm not going to be prepared. My body is going to revolt against me. Um, I can't just lay around all day, okay? I, I got to get out and, and run. If I don't run before the race, my body will not run in the race. Uh, and so there's things I have to prepare. If, if you're a musician, which I wish I could, I just did not get that gene. 
My kids got it, I didn't get it. But if you are a musician, you know that you have to practice. If you don't prepare, you know, you, you, can, you can fake it sometimes, but you can only fake it so long because there comes a time uh, when people are going to tell. And you may play what you're supposed to play, but how many know there's a difference between finishing it and really performing it to where they can see the difference? God is looking for us not to just play the game, not to put on a show, but with our heart, know him. Um, and so we need to put off those things, and we need to do what we need to do to prepare ourselves. In Hebrews, it says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, he's talking about those that have gone before, that, that, that are waiting for us, they have been our example, and yet they have not received the prize because they're not going to get it without us, and so they're waiting for us to finish so that we can all celebrate together. So therefore, since they have gone before and they are rooting us on, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which so easily clings to us so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. You see, we need to lay aside the things that are weighing us down. Um, there are things in life, and only you, you need to make your own decision. You know those things that you need to let the Holy Spirit do. And again, this is, God, you do it through me. Begin to, to convict me. You know how he does it? He convicts us. He says, you need to stop doing that. But there's nothing wrong with that. No, there's nothing wrong with it, but it's a snare for you. It's something that's trapping you. It's keeping you from knowing me the way you should. And so it could be a very good thing, but God is saying it's a snare for you. Whatever it is, we need to begin to lay aside those things that are weighing us down, um, that we are letting become so important to us in our life that we are not prepared. Um, in Romans, it tells us this. In Romans 13, it says, Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come from you for you to awake from sleep, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling or jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to glorify its desires. And you see, that's the key. It's not about, I'm just going to be a better person. I'm not going to do these things anymore. I, I'm going I'm to stop saying that word anymore. I'm going to stop talking like that. Maybe it's filthy language. Maybe it's uh, habits in our life. It's not about just not doing it anymore. It's about putting on Christ. In other words, God, I want to be like you. So I'm not going to do that, not because I'm just being a better person, but because I want more of you. And this does not honor you. It does not prepare me to be close to you. So we need to just seek Christ. And as we seek Christ, we cannot get closer to him without letting go of some of those things. And so we've got to be willing to do those things. We've got to be make, willing to make those hard choices. But if we're going to be ready, you got, we've got to put off some things in our life that are ensnaring us. The third thing, and really these last two are, are two of the main 
things that kind of work together with letting God move and preparing us. But the third thing is we need to delight in the word of God. If we're gonna be prepared for what God has for us, if we're gonna be prepared to answer the call when God comes, then we need to engage in the body. We need to put off the snares in our life but we need to delight in the word of God. You cannot become who God wants you to be without delighting in the word of God. Now, I use the word delight because I'm not talking about study and I'm not talking about knowing the word of God. There are a lot of people who know the word of God. There's a lot of people who study the word of God. But God is looking for people who delight in the word of God. And to delight means more than knowing everything, because sometimes some of us, man, I read the word, I don't even know it, but do, you de- but do you desire for it to make a difference? You know, it's the person who says, it's hard for me to read a lot, and, and I don't study, but, but I want it to be part of me. And so even if it's in the simplicity of just saying, God, show me one verse, but show me that verse, and spending time in the word, and just doing what you can, but when you do, You delight in it. You desire it. Um, You let it have a difference in you. It's not something you just know in your head, but it starts to change you. See, delighting in the word means that it goes beyond my head and it goes to my heart and it begins to change me and it begins to be something that I let in me. It's kind of like the reason why it uses the, the, the word to consume the word, to eat the word, that the word is a bread of life is because it's something that becomes part of us. We need to begin to be people that say, I want the word of God in me. So here's the question. If I don't know the word of God, I need to be ashamed. I need to start saying, God, I need to know it more. If I don't know the word, why is that? Then how can I ever be prepared if I don't know the word of God? It's just I want to do more than know it. I want it to become part of me. And so that takes time that we have to put time into the word. We need to spend time in the word, but not just spend time, but then meditate on it and then practice it and then let it begin to mean something to us. So all of these things go into what it means to delight in the word because the word is the very physical presence that we have of the Holy Spirit. This is, other than ourself, which is why we engage in the body, because we are all a tangible touch of who God is in this world. The word of God is the very revelation of what the preparation that he has for us, that he has given us. And so do we delight in his word? Of course, Psalms 119 Starting in verse 9 says this, how can a young man, and this is a young lady, uh, actually anyone, how can a person keep his way pure? How do we get ready? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. For I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And we've heard that verse before. You see, it's not about just memorizing. It's not about knowing. It's about storing up in my heart, not in my mind, that I might not sin against you. Again, there's that desire. It's not that I want to know the word. It's that I want to know you, Jesus. 
And so I've stored up your word that I might not sin. He says, blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips, I declare all the rules of your mouth. And in the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. But as, yes, I will not forget your word. So God is looking for us to begin to delight, to let the word of God prepare us. And if we are not spending time in word, and that's why on Wednesdays we get into the word. We let the word, and the word is not just from the Bible, but that is why we come together. That is why we preach the word. It says that the early church, it said they devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles. Uh, so it's, they would read the word and then they would listen to the word. And those go together. Um, and, and it begins to be in both ways. The Holy Spirit uses the word, the spoken word, as well as the, the written word to begin to prepare us. So are we preparing ourselves with the word of God? Are we letting it speak into our life? Are we spending time allowing the word of God to speak? Are we coming and listening to the word of God and then applying it to our hearts? So as we delight in the word, it prepares us. It brings us to that place that we are stronger. We're ready for whatever the, the world has to throw at us. But here's the last thing, and it brings us uh, to this week also. If we are to be prepared, we need to commune in prayer. Now, again, this word is important because with all of these things, we can go through the motions. I'm not talking about spending time in prayer. That's important, but commune in prayer. Just like it's not about just reading the word, it's about delighting in the word. It's not about just, well, I prayed today, but are we communing? In other words, communion means there's that connection, there's that engagement. It's very similar to the body. It's more than just doing it. It's, it's being a part of it. Are we connecting to God at the deepest levels of our heart and communicating and just speaking to our Father? Are we letting our Father speak to us? Are we opening ourselves up to seek Him? That's what prayer is. Prayer is simply that connection that I want to commune. I want to be with you, Jesus. Now, it can happen through the spoken word. It can happen through meditation in our mind. It can happen through uh, a, a, a knowledge of his presence in whatever we do. It's an invitation of even as we are working that God is with me and I'm just with him and he is with me. And so prayer goes into all of those things. Sometimes it's bringing a conscious knowledge of, of God with me into everything I do. Even in the joyful times, in our fun times, in our play times. But are we letting God be a part of that? Are we communing with God? And then that begins to mold us of even how we play and how we rejoice and how we celebrate. Because now we are doing it through the preparation of his presence within us and prayer. But more importantly is the conscious connection to God that we reach out to him. 
that we pray in our spirit, that we pray in our heart, that we pray with our mouth, that we pray with our mind. But we need to consciously begin to enter into prayer. Um, and, and prayer, we don't know, understand how it works because we're not gonna tell God what to do and we don't know exactly how it works, but God desires us to commune with him. And so there is power in prayer. I, I, there's just something about that when we truly pray with all our heart that God begins to move. And it doesn't mean that he bends to our will, but it's the generosity of a loving father that desires to give his children good things. And when we begin to desire to be with our father, you see, the more we desire God, our prayers begin to lead us in a direction to what he wants to give us in the first place. So the prayers somehow begins to change us more than it changes God. When we truly begin to reach out in prayer, when we crawl out to God, even when we are hurt, when we say, God, help me. I'm lost or I'm hurting. God, I need you. See, what it's really doing is pulling us closer to him rather than making him heal me or take away this pain or do this. It's kind of like we are in a boat being tossed to and fro. And we take that anchor and we throw it to the dock. And it takes hook in the dock. And you begin to pull on that. Now, are you pulling the dock closer to you? Or the boat begins to come closer to the dock? Now, see, you're coming closer together, but we forget that it's us that is getting closer to God. We are not pulling him closer to us. And so we need to begin to enter into this new year with a heart of prayer. And that is, we might say, I don't know how to pray. Remember, Jesus' disciples didn't even know how to pray. They said, teach us how to pray. And, and when he did, he gave them an example. It was never meant to be something that you pray these words, like there's power in these words. But what he did, he said, let me show you that in all of these different areas, as you just begin to open yourself up to me, this is how you pray. When you desire to worship me, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. When you begin to love me, that is prayer. When you just let it come from your heart, God, I love you, thank you so much, you are so good. When you worship in song, that is communing with prayer. You know, when you begin to say, thy will be done, thy kingdom come, what you're doing is saying, I want you to have your way. When you begin to desire his way in your life, when you begin to desire his wisdom, God, show me your way, I want your will to be done, and you pray, that's prayer. That's what Jesus was teaching them. Give us this day our daily bread. When you begin to trust God for your, for your resources, when you become content in him, and God, I just want you, but God, this is what I need, and, and God, show me, then that is prayer, but it, it begins to be part of this, this molding, preparing ourselves by getting closer to him. See, this is what Jesus did. It says in Luke, it says, he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Jesus himself said every man ought to pray and not lose heart. Connect to God. God wants to hear from you. We need to connect to him. And then again, at the very last second, you talk about preparation. Prayer prepares us. It says, um, and taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he, which is Jesus, began to be sorrowful and troubled. And this is in the, right before the cross in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going on a little farther, he fell on his face and he prayed saying, my father, 
If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Again, there's Jesus connecting to his father, communing with him in prayer, back and forth. I, he's working things out. But he came back to the disciples and he found them sleeping. And he said, so you could not watch with me and pray for even one hour? And look at this, what he says. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You see, I know we want to do things for God. We want to be prepared, but be wanting something and having it happen is two different things. Because we're broken. And so he's saying, you need to pray. If you don't pray, you're going to give in to temptation. I'm sorry, you don't have the ability to be prepared without prayer. And so we need to pray so that we can overcome whatever comes our way. And when we begin to commune with God, when we begin to pray, when we begin to listen, remember prayer is part of prayer is listening, letting him speak to us, then we become prepared. Doesn't mean that we accomplish everything we want to. It doesn't mean that we maybe get everything we want but I'll tell you one thing, you'll be ready. And remember, the key is not about doing things, it's about being ready. It's not about getting everything you want or having the easiest life, you may not. You may have a hard life, but you'll be ready. The key is, are you ready? Because this life is not what matters. Some of us are gonna be rich, some of us are gonna be poor. Some of us are, are gonna be healthy and strong and wise, some of us are gonna be weak and hurting and without understanding. Some of we feel that way. But I'm ready. See, all that matters is are we ready because in the end, God is coming for us and he will make everything new. But for now, are we ready? We can look at our life. Are these things in our life? If these are not in our life, then we're not ready. So we need to pray. We need to seek God. God, I just want you more. And the more we want him, he will develop these things in our life. He will bring us and engage us in the body. And as we do that, then we will engage. We will put off the snares. We will get in and delight in the word. We will spend time in prayer. So even though it's us doing it, it's because we desire him. And when we desire him, then he does it through us. So it's like a circle. It's not anything that we do, but it's because we desire him that he will grow these things in us. And as these things grow in us, then it makes us ready for every good thing. Because he says, you are his workmanship. You are a beautiful thing that God is doing in you. And he has created you for good works that he has already planned, but you need to get ready for him so that you can do what he has already planned for you to do. The problem is God has things for you to do, but some of us here, we're not ready for him. We're not ready, and we're not doing what God wants us to do because we are not letting him bring us to these four principles. And then once we put these in our lives, then we can do all those other things, but they all have to come out of these things in our life. These are the core foundations of our life that make us ready. And then once we're ready, now we can turn our eyes, okay, God, let's go do it. You know, when you join the military, they don't just send you to war because that would be stupid. Before they send you to war, they make you ready. 
And it's the same thing. It may not be war, but before God sends us out to do great things, he, he says, you need to get ready. You've got to go through that boot camp. You've got to know me. And then, okay, now let's go. Now let's experience what God has for us. But we've got to get ready. Let's bow our heads.